0: one of the things i learned about service is that i can't serve you if i'm not serving myself and the saying goes that you know treat people like you like to be treated or love your neighbor as you love yourself but i think i find a lot of people who aren't able to love themselves or don't know how to love themselves and so they fall short of actually being able to serve other people because they don't know how to love themselves and so When it comes to service, I start with myself first, so I can try to serve you to the best of my ability.
1: My name is Ashanti and welcome to the Taking Off The Mask podcast, where men get real. Men of all ages and backgrounds come to this space to talk about the masks we feel forced to wear, When we talk about the mask, we're talking about the front of the mask, which are the things that we gladly let the world see, the things we talk about a lot. And when we think about the back of the mask, we're talking about the things that we don't talk much about. Maybe we want to, we're just trying to figure out, do we have a circle that we can talk about them with? And today, sharing his mask is Justin Black. Um, Justin has been doing some amazing things, but I want to tell you more about the book that he wrote and why I think it's so powerful. The book is called, Redefining Normal, how two foster kids beat the odds and discovered healing, happiness, and love. Him and his wife were both foster kids and they wrote this book together. You know, I don't know what you know about the foster system, I don't know what you know about statistics of foster kids, but for him to do what he's done is amazing. Depending on your knowledge of the foster kids system in the United States, you would know that it's very challenging. Young people find homes sometimes that are not the most loving and caring and supportive homes. The knowledge and the feelings that go into um, loss of family can create a lot of challenges for young people. And there's statistics that are just heartbreaking. But for him and his wife to come through that system and to not only come together, but to write this book and to then go back and serve others in the community is so beautiful. You know, we don't normally want to talk about a lot of the all the accolades of our guests, but we want to give honor to where they're doing amazing things. And he's going to talk about some of the work that he's doing. But in this conversation, we're talking about our mass today. I do ask him about growing up in the foster care system and some of the challenges. But I think even more so is like how today do these things show up in our lives? I hope you enjoy this conversation. One of the things that we talk about in this conversation that I really want to highlight is he says you can't pour from an empty cup. As I heard him say that statement, I'm not sure if I reacted or what, but I just know that when I hear that statement, it is a constant reminder to myself of how often do I try and pour from empty cup. The idea of an empty cup is your energy levels, your abilities, your knowledge, your, like, how are you going to fill yourself up? And definitely energetically when you're doing work serving others, how do you make sure you're plugged in, you're charged up? And I think I may have said, or I'm going to say it to you now, like, I, I take care of this phone. I This thing stays charged. When I get down, when it starts getting even close to the far the end of the battery level, I'm looking for a plug. I'm borrowing a plug. I don't have to do that for my own self. I don't have to do that for my own self. And I think um, it's a lesson to keep reminding. How am I recharging myself? Am I pouring from a cup that I've given time to get full, to recharge, to re-energize? And I hope that for you. If you haven't made a mask yet, I invite you to go and make a mask anonymously. You know, Justin and I are going to share our masks publicly, but you can do yours anonymously at millionmask.org. And we invite you to be a part of this movement with us as we hit these next milestones, as we hit these next movements that are growing out of the Million Mask movement. Stay tuned for just some excitement that is coming our way. And we thank you for being a part of this journey with us. Enjoy today's episode with Justin Black, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye now. Justin Black, welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. So glad to have
0: you. Thank you for having me. It's such a privilege to be on, and I'm happy to be able to join.
1: Well, I'm glad you're here, man. We um we got the chance to meet at uh, the CIS conference. I think it was like CIS. Oh, I'm like forgetting the name of it right now. Now, 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 see, I should have left it out. I should have left, if I left it out, I wouldn't have had to be like, what, what's the name of the, what's the organization? We were in Temecula, California.
0: Yeah, yeah we were in yeah, Temecula, we're in and in uh, Temecula. Yeah, I was able to connect and everything. You know, It was a pleasure being able to connect then and then reconnect now. So I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. You were the morning keynote and I was really glad I was there that morning. I got to hear you speak. And so, you know, I wanted to just find some more time that we could connect. And, you know, this work that we're doing around masks is is what we believe is going to help make the world better for all people. Right. But definitely for, for men, as we see our boys and young men finding themselves in so many different places. So, would you introduce yourself, tell folks what you want them to know about you, and then we'll jump into these masks? Of course. Yeah. So,
0: first off, I want to say thank you again for allowing me to be on and be a part of this conversation. A little bit about me. My name is Justin Black. I'm from Detroit. I have been privileged to do so much in a space of serving and lifting up and building up others. And I've been fortunate in 2020, uh, my wife and I co wrote a book called Redefining Normal. How to foster kids, beat the odds, and discover healing, happiness, and love. Are largely about identifying generational trauma in families and communities being normalized, and working to create generational success. The strategies, the techniques that, and everything that goes into creating generational success is what we focus on. Plans and, and collaborate with different organizations, collaborate at different conferences, and in different environments with, with families and communities are. To be able to help them plan out and and being able to have conversations that will impact them both personally and translate to their professional success as well. So we do a lot of work with students and students and young people who are transitioning from high school to college, college into their career. uh, Youth who have a background related to trauma or foster care or just unfortunate circumstances that they've run into and trying to support them with their personal development. That translates into their overall success in their future and combating the ideas of unhealthy practices and habits being normalized in their life that is sometimes attached to their identity and culture. So that's the work we've done in developing our books, materials, curriculum, and just having an impact all over the country. So it's definitely a blessing.
1: Well, I imagine not only ever do we need it, but even since now since COVID, there's been a, such a huge uptick in young people who are just having so many more challenges. And I think you're probably seeing that as well. And I think, I, I don't know the, I haven't heard all of the stories for foster youth during the pandemic, but I can imagine that created its own level of challenge. As a former teacher, I knew that sometimes for some of those so students, school was it, it's, uh, sometimes feel like a safer place for some of them than where they had been placed. And you know, for some of those kids, I know that when they were stuck at home, it probably wasn't always the best situation, you know. So, and not for all, right? It's obviously I'm not speaking for all, but for a lot of young people who I I mentored or taught over the last twenty years, I I, I can only imagine the challenges that that can also bring up, you know. But as we jump in, before we jump into these maths, just get in context. So, does your work is it mostly with foster youth or is it with all youth in general? It's with all youth
0: in general. I mean, we do work a lot in the foster care space, but it was. Just- So with all youth in general and just having a conversation right before this with a head of a program who supports uh, students who have gone through just under under who are underrepresented, uh, non-traditional circumstances, maybe single parent households and uh, going through some form of trauma and just supporting them as well. And so what we want to do is intentionally support families and support youth and communities who have gone through the process of attaching their identity their cultural values, or core principles of who they are, have directly attached that to trauma, to unhealthy practices and habits, and help them self-identify, but also train different teachers, train different professionals to be able to serve these populations as well. That's where a large bulk of our work lies, is training the professionals, the faculty and staff, how to create an environment that's conducive for generational
1: success. Well, you know, this work is critical for that work. The work that we're doing with the mask is us being able to, as adults, as educators, as leaders, being able to make sure that we are dealing with our stuff. Because I think a lot of times in these schools, we have educators who they have a good concept of the subject they're teaching, but they have no love for the subjects who they're teaching. And I think that that creates an immediate disconnect. And for from a student who was a big feeler, I could tell when a teacher didn't like me, and I would gladly return the favor. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like, well, nobody's learning here today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if you go be talking to me like that, then we shutting it all down, right? We go and it's ego, it's emotions, it's sadness, it's pain. And if it doesn't get dealt with and teachers carry their own stuff too, but because they have the power, they can pretend like it's just because I'm in charge, I'm doing like this. And sometimes they're doing it from a hurt place too. And I think that because they, if they can't name it, yeah. I think I heard uh, Mark Brackett say, if you can't name it, you can't tame it. If you can't, if you can't name the emotions you're going through, you're never going to like do the right things to regulate. Oh, OK, I'm actually feeling sad. I'm not actually angry. I'm feeling embarrassed. I'm not I'm not enraged. Like, But if I'm naming it these other things, then I'm going to be doing some other behaviors to try and. Rectify that feeling, you know.
0: Yeah, and that, that's a huge part of what we do: training teachers and supporting teachers and educators around the concept of you can't pour from an empty cup. How can you fill yourself up mentally, emotionally, and in so many different ways to be able to serve and support? A lot of trainers they come in with the concept of how can educators go about better serving those around them and the students really honing in on for the adults and professionals in this space how can we go about supporting ourselves and have that as a reflection of serving other people because so many educators and teachers take on such a weight such a burden and so much of on their shoulders that they're they're not able to really serve in a proper way so they they're really burying how they feel in their emotions and which eventually is going to like uh, be uh, expressed onto those around them But if they are equipped with what they need, receive the support that they need in in, in a part of a healthy environment that goes into their self-care and goes into their support, they'll be able to be intentional about their development, their growth, and that will be reflected in their teaching style, how they communicate in the classroom setting that they establish. So, Well, beautiful,
1: man. Well, let's do it. Let's jump in these masks. Um, We're going to make the mask live here. So you have a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen to write with you? Mm-hmm, yep. Okay, and I got a piece of paper. So I'm asking you to take the paper and just fold it in half, um, maybe what hamburger style they may call it, right? Fold it. All right. Let's uh, let's do it. <laughs> All right. And so on the left side of the paper, we're gonna we're gonna write at the top just write front, and on the left side on the on the left side front, and on the right side write the word back. All right, on the left side, right front, uh-huh. and on the uh-huh. right side, right back, right. Yeah, uh huh, yep. So basically, we're gonna do the mask activity. Just we'll do it,
0: you know, in, in real time. All so, right, show me. I'm more of a hands on learner. Show me first, so I'm making sure I'm not making any mistakes.
1: Oh yeah, this part is this part actually. This part you can actually skip, but it's like on the on the left side, you write. obviously, oh, you see. We'll get the light right. Let's do it right, you just write the word front on the left. <laughs> that light is so bright. And the right, right, you're writing the word back. Okay, Yeah. We're basically going to draw. You don't don't even need to write the word front and back. We just I was just naming it so that we're going to use the left side of the paper to represent the front of the mask and the right side of the paper to represent the back of the mask. And so the first step is just to draw a mask. That's the first step. So on the left side, whatever you think a mask looks like, draw a mask. So you said for
0: the front draw, what I think a mask will look like.
1: The instruction we have on our, our activity is just draw a mask. So it's pretty open ended. So whatever, whatever comes to your mind when you think of a mask, a friend of mine, uh, was in Soweto and, uh, he, he posted a, a picture of his, um, of his trip and he, he sent a mask yesterday. So I was like in my mind channeling that, um, that image today it's
0: the my mask so am i actually like drawing the mask itself or
1: mm-hmm. whatever whatever you draw is perfect just whatever you draw is gonna be absolutely perfect but you're drawing a mask right, drawing a mask all right <laughs> all right all right do you like to draw are you do you do you do anything creative do you have a creative practice i mean i used to when i was
0: a kid you know but uh not as much anymore. I mean, sometimes, you know, if I, if I have the time, if I if I can, but uh, not as much anymore,
1: no. <laughs> okay, right, but, on. Uh, cool. all right cool. I did my
0: best. Okay. <laughs> oh,
1: no, it's good, bro. But whatever you, listen, whatever you draw is perfect because it's not a, there's no, there's no grade. It's really just a, it's an image, right? It's just a, a representation of this, where we're going to go in this conversation. So on the side where the mask is, I want you to write, three words or three phrases that are qualities of yourself that you gladly let the world see. What are three qualities or characteristics that you that you let people see, you want people to see that you you ideally like you move forward, you push forward. That's what's going to go on the left side. Okay, three qualities that I allow people to see. Uh-huh, or that you that you either allow or you let them see, that you tell them. You may be glad, you may even proclaim them, right? What are three qualities or characteristics of yourself that you gladly let the world see. That's on the left side. All right. I got it. Okay. Well, that's fast. You're fast. All right. So now we're going to move to the back. The back is different than the front. The the back are the things that we don't usually let people see, that we don't usually talk much about. Three that you feel comfortable sharing here, right? So we're going to share ours publicly. Um, most people, when we do workshops, they do it anonymously, right? But we are going to, since we're going to share ours, think of three that you feel comfortable sharing on the back that things you may not talk much about or that or sometimes maybe hard to talk about, but three that you feel comfortable sharing here today with us. All right. I'm ready when you are. Okay. You, yes. Am I drawing
0: okay. anything for the back?
1: No, the back doesn't need any drawings. Yeah. Okay. So now, as a guest, you get to decide who goes first. Either you want to go first or you want me to go first. All right, I'm going to choose you to go first. You
0: can go ahead and start us off.
1: Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. So inspired by my friend with his Soweto mask. This is the mask I drew. And the words I drew or wrote today, right there, is funny, serious, and caring. Funny serious and caring normally on the front of my mask i and i I was trying to like because i was writing fast but also like just being really instinctive like how i'm feeling right this moment i'm thinking i'm not sure why i didn't write i usually write hard working on the front right because i think i i like i'm like i'll let people see that gladly i think as a i wear it as a badge sometimes that i'm a hard-working person i'm passionate, dedicated. But today it was when I was like trying to like, sometimes I think about the mask too long. I'm trying to like think of, oh, what's a good word to put? And what's a word I haven't used in a long time. I think today as I'm kind of really evaluating my own self and all the, like I I continue to work hard. And I think I'm trying to find like, how make more time to enjoy being funny or just laughing more, right? I'm, I'm really serious a lot. I have a lot to do. I have a lot to do. My 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 desk, if you could see this desk, you would be like, how do you have, how does paper suspend in air like that? Like there's so much stuff on this desk right here. So like it's, <laughs> there's so much work to do. And sometimes I just, I don't leave, I don't leave a lot of room for, to laugh enough or I'm very serious. Caring is also a bit, funny and caring are not like business characteristics, right? They're not like, they're not like, I don't often lead lead with them as being a leader of an organization who's trying to change the world and who has these big goals. I think they're important, but I think I'm I'm more lead with serious, dedicated, passionate, hardworking. Like I lead with those type of traits first. And today, they they didn't pop on the paper. So funny and caring are things that I'm doing my best to show more of um, while working hard and being serious and being dedicated and passionate. And all those things as well. So nice. That's the front of my mask. Nice. And so, should I go over the front of mine now? Yeah, yeah. You can fold it in half. Hold, fold it in half, so we only you don't reveal the back until it's time. All right. All right. So,
0: <laughs> what I drew up is a uh, kind of a ski mask. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you watch any sports, but um, I'm a Detroit Lions fan, and I don't know why the ski mask that's been like a something that. Some of the players said, you know, the blue ski mask is a the theme this year. And so I don't know why. That's the first thing came to my head. And it's like trendy right now. People have been wearing ski masks just for fun. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But uh, <laughs> So mine say uh, family men or fatherhood. And I always just try to show that I'm family oriented and create that environment for other people as well. Some people may feel insecure about having kids and, and you know, bringing their kids around and just. You know, I always want to be a welcoming man uh, to welcome children and, and embrace fatherhood. So that's number one for me. Secondly, I would say service or being able to, to serve people. It's something I always want people to know about me is uh, and willing to serve and support any way I can. So anytime I can help somebody, even with the smallest thing, I try to do that to, my, to the best of my ability. And we have one that overlaps, I said caring as well. It kind of annoys me when people just don't care, just nonchalant, just really, just, it's whatever. But uh, I try to be passionate and care about things that, especially that if I'm into it. If I'm saying I'm going to do it. I want to do my best to care and show that I'm interested. So uh, th- those are my three as far as the front.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I, I was when you said the caring one, I was like wondering, like as as a person who is like doing this work, this service work to help schools and educators and people and youth. Have you ever like felt like I let me say what I felt, and I'm, I'm just asking the question for you. But have you ever felt like like I was sharing with somebody on the podcast episode recently that sometimes I feel like a like I feel a burdened burden in that like um, not that I I like because I care so much about challenges in our world like I sometimes like I don't I I don't have enough room to care about it all right like it's like how do I like because I care a lot. How do I make enough room? I'm, I'm not even talking in the mic. I apologize. I'm got the mic so far away from me. Like, what? I was like, what's happening? Where's, um, anyway, I apologize about that. I, I don't know if the sound just changed there or not, but I, yeah, I just realized now. <laughs> oh my God. I just realized like, where's, where's, anyway, that's, that's a shield, right? It's a part of the shield that's here, right? a here as a protector shield, right? As I think about that, like caring so much. And then sometimes like, man, do I have any energy left to, like for for, for myself, right? And I think that is something I've been really working on. I think maybe it's even how my words are evolving on the front. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, I do care about people a lot and I've realized that, like you said earlier, you can't pour from an empty cup. I've, 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 I have a habit of absolutely charging this thing way more than I ever charge myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this thing, if it gets towards 50%, I'm plugging it in. I can be at zero, like scraping the bottom of my own energetic battle, a uh, bottle battery. <laughs> and I am like, I can do more. It's 3 AM. I could do this last email. And I'm right. I'm writing, I'm writing gibberish. I can't even write. And I'm trying to like get one more thing done. And I think, being more honorable to myself and, and respectful and, and caring and loving to myself, right? Because I think that that is something i found that I, I, I'm i not as good at as giving myself enough attention while I care for other people all the time and, and helping, like you said. You ever found yourself caring so much that you didn't put leave enough reserve energy for yourself?
0: I think I used to do that a lot. I used to do that until I had some health scares uh, mentally, and I really went through a process of Learn the hard way that it, taking care of myself is necessary. So one of the things that I, I noticed that um, I always prioritize now is that each and every individual needs to be fulfilled in three ways. Um, there is the physical support, mental support, and spiritual support. And so for physical, if you need to go for a walk, workout, lift weights, whatever it needs to be, do that on a daily basis, mentally. You need to read, study, meditate, whatever you need to do, do that. And so, spiritually, prayer, reading, more, uh, whatever it may be, look like for you, uh, doing that. All, those three things on a daily basis is huge. And so, I always uh, selfish, or I wouldn't say selfishly, but one of the things I learned about service is that I can't serve you if I'm not serving myself. And mm. the saying goes that you know, love others as you would like, or treat people like you would like to be treated, or love your neighbor as you love yourself. But I think I find a lot of people who aren't able to love themselves or don't know how to love themselves. And so they fall short of actually being able to serve other people because they don't know how to love themselves. And so when it comes to service, I start with myself first so I can try to serve you to the best of my ability.
1: Mm, Beautiful, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks for sharing that, and I'm, I'm glad that, um, that that you you listen to that. You listen to yourself telling yourself this message, right? I think it's a beautiful thing to hear. And thank you for those uh three um three three uh, what do you call them? The three um through three ways, three ways to take care I would of yourself. Say right? Three
0: uh, daily areas <laughs> of fulfillment. Three areas yeah. that we all need to be fulfilled on a daily basis mentally physically and spiritually i would say beautiful
1: thank you man all right but take a deep breath we're gonna jump into the back we're gonna jump into the back yeah okay here we go (laughs) all right the back today is the back here these are the three words i wrote worry doubt and fear of failure usually i write fear of something but today was a fear of failure and i think I'll I'll connect back to the worry part because I'll start there. Um so I have been like I have a brother who has some addiction issues as well as some mental health issues and um the other night 12:30 in the morning he comes to my house asking for a sandwich and so and I'm like dude what are you doing? like you supposed to be at your house right now? like why why are you not at home and he has some story and he's he's not all there in his you know how he's communicating, and I know my brother enough to know, and so I was just like, I think deep down as much as I like watch him in this mode of like kind of his life feeling like it's not very stable like and I'm trying to be like okay i I'm trying to figure out how I can support him right now, knowing what he needs. I don't have all the solutions for but also like worrying about him like walking around the streets of of Oakland in in the state he's in and I'm and I have this I go through this battle of like that part right how much do I how much am I helping him how much am I enabling him and and I think that it's only when you're in it like when you if you watch a movie and you're like oh why would you give this addict more money to go buy more drugs Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy to be on the outside saying you shouldn't give them money. Cause you know, they're going to spend it on drugs. But when it's in it, when it's standing, when it's your brother who you helped raise and you know, that either like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to, how, how can I support him? Yeah. I can say, no, he's going to find it somewhere. I can hold my context to no, And just knowing that I'm, I, I dread the idea of what is going to happen to him. Mm -hmm. and i think i don't talk about it a lot i I don't talk about that part much at all i know that i talk about him having an addiction and i talk about the mental health pieces but deep down i just i dread that phone call i dread the phone call when he goes on his disappearing acts and then and so my mind is constantly like in the back of the mind Mm -hmm. kind of worrying right so yeah um That's one that I think is uh, I'm carrying this. He called me this morning right before I left. You know, he's, he's went back to his house. He, he's resetting himself, but (sighs) yeah. So this morning I was, I was, I felt myself, I was happy. He was home. I said, all right, I'm glad to hear you're back at home. But I knew that I was short with him. I was short because I didn't have, I was really irritated with him, uh, you know, from the other night. And I want to, I want to have both. I want to have the loving brother side of me. And I want to have the like you know, like don't do that again side. Right. Yes, yeah, And, um, again. discern side. So yeah, that's, that's what's, I think I'll, I'll stop there, but that's what it's really speaking to me right now in terms of what's, I don't talk much about that. Um, cause it's the deeper worry that I've I I have for my brother.
0: And I appreciate you sharing that.
1: I appreciate you sharing that. Cause it's
0: huge. And, uh, I think that, that vulnerability is what we need. And so I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's huge. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Mm. So, are you going to see other ones, or would you
1: like me to share? Oh. Um I, I don't want to. I, I want to give you some time. I mean, if we could we can go to them. I can, you know, I can go to them. Uh, the doubt and fear of failure are the two that are just really present as well. You know, like self doubt, fear of failure. That's I think that's why I usually on the front always say hardworking because I'm trying to overcome that fear of of failing in, in a lot in a big way. But it's still a fear. Like you know, like can I? can i achieve this big dream that i have what do i need to do what what so i'm always always constantly working hard to like shore up all the areas i don't have skills for right now you know so yeah those are the other two Mm. those are huge those are huge and i I appreciate you sharing those and
0: um I, i would say it's a bit of overlap but for me it's insecurities of um you know, not not always sure if I did enough. You know, not always sure if I've uh, done enough or I'm doing the right thing. And just you know, sometimes that could be huge. If uh, you're going in the right direction in life, if you've done enough, if you served enough, and so those can be kind of huge concerns of mine sometimes of uh, insecurity. And I would say that one in a bunch of different and in, in cer- certain different certain ways. There's doubt. It's kind of hard hard to dive into it, but just feeling doubtful about you know certain things it could be huge and. I would say the biggest thing for me is probably let down is my third one. Let down is huge because I always want to, as, as the flip side of service, uh, I always want to make sure people are feeling safe and secure and they have what they need. And especially as a husband and father, you don't you don't want to let those important people in your life down. And so those are the biggest things for me, just let down. And so one of the, the things that uh, are near and dear to my heart. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so the three words for the back for you is insecurities, doubt, and then let down. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Like, do you have, you know, being a father, I, I you know, we do, I do a lot of work with fathers or the father core here in um, Alameda County for the first five initiative. Um, do you, do you find that you have a place to go to talk about those things? Like, do you have a, you have a, I mean, you have this daily practice of those three things that you take care of. But do you have a place in your life to go and like just like decompress, like vent to or do you have a practice or something else you do to like deal or talk about the things that that are harder to talk about?
0: Yeah, I would say as far as community and actual individuals, I'm still looking to build and grow in that area. And uh, I feel like, I mean, it's, it's it's kind of self-inflicted to where sometimes I get busy and I don't always remember to check in with people and call people and text and I got people I need to text back that's been waiting on a text back for a while. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm terrible at texting back. And so it's small things like that that I definitely need to work on. But, um, yeah, I would say that uh, I'm still working on building community that, you know, I want to one of the things I've heard from some amazing people that as as men, we need probably individuals in general. But I feel like we need five people we can go to to bear all of our weight and our everything we're going through and be able to share everything that that we can with them. And so do do we always want to ask individuals, do you have five people you can Mm. talk to about if you're dealing with mental health issues, financial issues, relationship issues, do you have someone who can come to you and support you to lean on them, to hold you accountable, to give you a plan and give you some encouragement, speak life into you. And so, I always ask, you know, do individuals have that? And I feel like I'm constantly looking to work on that, and and having older men in my life and more mature men support me and guide me in that way. So, I've been able to be able to serve others and contribute to others in that way. But I think that it's important for me to have that as well. So I feel like that's something I'm continuing to build on. Man,
1: thank you for naming that. I think you know, um, I'm on a men's team. I've been on this team since 2010. So going on, what, 14 years, 13 years now. Um, and it's it's a weekly, it's a weekly circle, three hours a week. Um, and it's been, a, a I think, a life changer for me. I think there's lots of these, there's lots of organizations out there, you know, so depending on where your geographic location is, you know, you can, there's a lot of them out there, you know. Um, but I think I have found for myself, what you just named is, has been huge. And I think sometimes our teams are smaller, sometimes they're bigger, sometimes there's big, you know, divisions and we have meetings that are bigger, but just knowing that there's a space to go to weekly to like, okay, I get time today and sometimes some weeks I need to be there cause I need to be there to help other men. And some weeks the circle is there to help me. And I think having, having both of those. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I, I will, I would maybe I'm curious about it and I'll be interested in if you're willing to talk about this is, um, for educators out there and teachers who are supporting students and maybe who maybe going through similar, you know, upbringings as yourself, like how, how, how do you recommend teachers? Cause a lot of students spend eight, seven hours a day at school, right? So those who are going to school regularly. So that's a third of their day, you know, almost a third of their week except for the weekends. Right. But a huge part of their week is spent in these buildings that are, hopefully loving spaces, hopefully caring spaces, hopefully more than just academic and, you know, spaces of academic learning, hopefully the spaces of care and, and, you know, wellness. But how do you help educators support students who may be more silent, who may be more, they don't talk about the stuff on the back. They don't, they just come to school. They're happy. They're funny. They're charismatic. They're all the things that they've been taught to do on the outside. Do you have a, do you have a, a story you tell teachers about how they could better serve students or do you have a, a, a something you help educators learn about that?
0: Yeah, I always start with ideally you want to work on first warning signs. So when I was a kid, I had like different warning signs of, you know, I remember at recess and I would like play football and i ripped my pants, you know, <laughs> like as a hole in my pants as far as like at my knee. And I only had one pair of pants for school. So, you know, that same hole in my pants and where my knee was, it, it was there every day. And this is uh, some years ago where rips in the pants wasn't as cool <laughs> and it looks it looked sloppy and everything. And so do you identify warning signs with kids of yeah. is it small things that you can see? Uh, yeah. And I always think just checking mm-hmm. in and, you know, in a lot of classrooms, there can be you know, 30 give or take students in there, which is hard to give individual attention. But can you find time or find extra time to be able to support students and have those conversations? Can you pull students to the side during lunch and have those conversations? And so one of the things I would say is look out for warning signs. And two, I would say if you can find opportunities for or you can find opportunities for students to um, be able to have undivided attention at all and that is important as well and so um it's hard because different students communicate differently yeah. but, uh, warning signs and just finding time to to for individual attention and uh conversations is huge it may not be every day it may not be all the time but are there you try it on a weekly basis to give students some one-on-one time to specifically support them or even Uh, contact someone in the school to see how they can receive extra support. And so going to uh, taking an extra step in that way. And I know we already asking educators to do a lot already, but just some of the things in that way, I think it could go a long way in creating an impact. And so that, and also just trying to uh, be vulnerable um, and create an environment that uh, is welcoming and loving and say, hey, this is a shared space of, of not just my classroom, but all of our classrooms. So if you are disrupting or, or or damaging to the environment at all, you're not just damaging to me, but you're damaging to all this learning space for all of us. And so I think a community environment goes a long way with supporting and serving students.
1: Yeah, how how did that, um, the ripped pants situation, um, how did it, how did it work itself out? Well, with, with you only having one pair of pants, what did, what happened next?
0: I just wore those pants the rest of the school
1: year. And then, uh,
0: next year I got some more pants. At least I no, think no. I did. I don't know,
1: <laughs> 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 man, I I, I think you a name in that. I think that those, those small things are things that like, if you're not paying attention, it could easily just be no one notices. Right. And hopefully it, it, the space is not such that other kids are pointing it out because then it becomes more like present, right? Yeah, other In a kids way are that... definitely
0: pointing it out. <laughs> mm. You know, there was other warning signs as well. Other kids are definitely pointing it out, but that's why I always encourage educators. And again, there's a lot going on, but how can you have these one-on-one conversations to see is there anything going on at home or any extra distractions that are keeping students from maximizing their abilities and their skills and and their learning. And so a lot of of, of different distractions for students, but how can we work on eliminating that at least for the classroom setting so they can learn and grow and
1: be engaged? Yeah. And and for you as well, for me and you who are having this conversation, I imagine what would it be like if we, we created a world where when little Justin was like sitting there with, Weeks and weeks with these pants that somebody would have said, hey, Justin, I just have a question, you know, and maybe a teacher would have been like, hey, would you could I could I support you? Would you like support? And maybe you wouldn't have accepted it. Who knows? But to like know that somebody saw you and they were like, man, maybe I would be able to accept a pair of pants that somebody offered them." Right. Maybe I would have maybe you would have hoped that somebody would have noticed, but maybe no one did. You know, uh-huh. I think. I think those are so critical to the learning spaces as well. Like if we don't feel comfortable asking for help, maybe sometimes people could come and offer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And
0: even checking in, not just with the physical, what you see, but can you engage in a conversation that goes beyond the physical? Like, Hey, how are you feeling right now? Uh, How did this situation make you feel that situation make you feel? And again, it's hard for educators to do that for every student. But do you see warning signs with a particular student, so where you can give them a little extra attention and support? Because I always noticed for me, when so, when I noticed that an educator had expectations for me, or wanted me to succeed, or believed that I could succeed, I actually work harder in those classes than you know the typical. Oh, I don't care. You know, I'm already educated. You do what you want. And for the teachers that didn't care. It was like, uh, you know, all right, if you don't care, I don't care. And those are my grades plummeted. But for the educators and the teachers who said, you know what? I really care about you. I see your potential. Those are the classes I actually worked hard in because I wanted to do it. in not just for me, but for the, the educators themselves and those who believed in me also. Yeah,
1: man, that's so huge. Well, you know, I, I appreciate the, the work that you're doing to help our education system from the outside. Cause I think, um, you know as after being a teacher for 10 years and also realizing that sometimes from the inside you're trying to like punch holes in the walls so that people will notice that there's there's some chaos going on in here right like i think it's so important so as an as a person working with educators schools young people um thank you for the work you're doing um is there anything you want anything else you want to say about these masks anything else you want to say about you know how We can create a world for students who grew up in in the situation that you grew up in. Is there any other words you have for folks as we as we wrap up these uh, conversations about our masks?
0: No, first, I would like to say I I really enjoy this this uh, this activity. This is great. I definitely appreciate that. And uh, like I said, I appreciate being on and would it be okay if I give a shout out to a few of our platforms and everything so people can reach us? Would that be okay?
1: That's exactly where the next step is. Absolutely.
0: Of course, of course. So we do this work full time and we we work largely based on referral and recommendation. And we want to continue the conversation on this concept of redefining normal and how, you know, professionals, adults, educators can work to create an environment that contributes to generational success. And so we have that power and capability, but we need to understand how to utilize what we have to, in order to be able to serve. So if you want to connect with us to continue this conversation on this concept of redefining normal, of uh, identifying generational trauma, combating that with generational success. If you'd love to connect, feel free to reach out to us at info at read-definingnormal.com. Our website, read-definingnormal.com, where we have curriculum for youth and students, where we have trainings for uh, teachers and educators, and so many resources and activities that can support and serve. And if you want to see us on social media, you may see a cute baby, my one year old. You may see us dancing or you may be educated. But regardless, you're going to be educa- you're going to be informed and you're going to be entertained. <laughs> and so our social media is the black uh, or Facebook is the redefining normal movement. Instagram and TikTok is the blacks redefine normal. And again, website is re normal. Take a look at some books some materials and uh, let's connect and support one another.
1: Man. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes, folks. So you can um, just drop down there and uh, click on one of those links. Um, Justin Black, thank you for being on the Taking Out the Mask podcast. I appreciate you, brother. Of course. Take care. And thank you for having me on. Right on. Well, folks, Justin and I, we shared our masks publicly. You don't have to share yours publicly. You can share yours anonymously at millionmask.org. Thank you for being a part of the million mask movement. Um, share this episode with any educator, mentor, person growing up in challenging situations so that they will realize that they can do it too justin and his wife has shared in their book how they were able to navigate those systems and they can inspire hopefully somebody in your life to be able to know they can get through it too thank you folks we'll see you next time bye now the taking off the Mask podcast is produced by ryan Louie and graphics by kelly wong guests are managed by dan paloma and the podcast is edited by samuel matingo We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast. And for every guest that's been a part of the show, you are now a part of the Taking Off the Mask family. The Taking Off the Mask podcast is brought to you by the Ever Forward Club. And if you like what you've heard today, please subscribe, write a five-star review, and share this with someone. We look forward to having more conversations that matter. And please remember, there is more to you than anybody can see by just looking at you.